Blog Talk. Program Fanatic Radio. I'm Michael Gardner, and this week our FR's very own Flo was named the host of ATV Sports Zone. Congratulations, buddy! How's it feel to uh, have your own show? I thought, yeah, because I was gonna say, of all the intros we could have had today, had to make it this one. Either that, or the each channel signed the Kardashians to a three-year contract. So yeah, but. Uh, and a false sincerity. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Welcome to the Hosting Club. But once again, you are tuned in to Fanatic Radio here on blogtalkradio.com. Michael Gardner with Ben Flores bringing you an hour-long coverage of sports with a little bit of music. Uh, phone lines to call in, 646-595-3137. Go to blogtalkradio.com slash fanaticradio to listen to the show. Like us on Facebook and follow Flo and I on Twitter at bflo360 and at the Fanatic MG. But... Well, we begin this week. We have a great show on hand. We have David Aldridge uh, stopping by in the studio. Should I take a hit? Take from the NFL playoffs. Uh, Fanatic Radio is on Chris Aldab. We'll swing by as well. And But now we'll start with the NFL draft. How many mock drafts did you have uh, going into this today? I think I had like 16 or 17. How correct were you on, on the, your most recent one? For last night? Uh, not really that correct. I mean, it was hard because there were so many trades. But I right. did, did manage to get a, a decent number. Like, I think it wasn't that much. But I I do look smart because I was one of the first people to have weekly go to Carolina. And my last month draft, I had to put it first. Yeah. Everything else. Uh, really how many? But I think I did. Like you were blown up on Twitter last night. Okay, so um, the first three picks, I guess everyone had correct. You had Andrew Luck being the number one of the crawl. RG3 to the Redskins. Well, they, yeah, they, they, they just traded. Uh, yeah, they traded Andrew Luck to the Yeah, the first round is um is over. We were there last night. Hectic. First time ever seeing the draft out. Uh, you can do it. Uh, not chaos. Awesome. Awesome. But uh, your, your initial thoughts on the last night? Oh, I mean, what? Betrayed. Hurt. That was perfect. Now we have to put this down weekend. And so, we're trying to not kill 
get a guy for that but not much for him. You have to 
uh, say Robert Griffin because you know, especially with a division that you're in, as you have the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants. What? The Giants in Redskins division? Yes. So I think most of most of those teams have very good defensive lines that can rush RG3. But here's someone that might uh, help us out with all of the draft coverage. Uh, a special guest of mine last year on the show, Cole Patterson, joins us from the offsite location in New Jersey to break down the draft. Cole, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing great. We are just dissecting the first round, but also asking the question, who has higher expectations, Andrew Luck or Robert Griffin III? Um, well, if you ask me, I think Andrew Luck probably has the higher expectations because he's going into what basically comes down to an expansion team. They have a new coach, new GM, all new players, um, totally new defense. They're going to a 3-4 to uh, go around Chuck Pagano's defense from, uh, from Baltimore. And I think he's replacing Peyton Manning, while Robert Griffin, you know, he he had a very successful college career. He actually threw for more yards and a higher completion percentage than Andrew Luck. But I think without replacing, you know, a successful as successful a quarterback as Peyton Manning, he definitely has less um, less expectations. So does the fact that the Redskins play in the tougher division not put I mean put a little bit of put a heat on Griffin? Um, I think it absolutely puts heat on uh, Robert Griffin. I think you definitely know that the, that the uh, NFC East is a tougher division. Um, not to say anything against the Texans, who are definitely up and coming and one of the best teams in the league right now. But you've got you've got the Cowboys and you've got the Eagles, who both are great at rushing the passer, and their secondaries are coming into their own. You've got Morris Claiborne going to the Cowboys and Brandon Carr going to the Cowboys. Um, really helping that defense. So Griffin's got a lot to contend with, but I think the team around him is better. He's got weapons to throw to, and he's got a defense, and I think he's in a better position to succeed right away. So looking at the first round, uh, who were some of the surprises? Because Flo was mentioning uh, Bruce Irvin to the Seahawks. Did you have any surprises in the first round? Well, I was I was a little surprised with Bruce Irvin, but honestly when I was looking through all the pass rushers, um, that were projected to go in the first. I actually liked Bruce Irvin a lot. I thought he probably had the most natural uh, natural pass rush skill set out of any of them. Um, but I think it was really his off the field issues that pushed him that pushed him down. And I think um, Pete Carroll up in Seattle kind of knows how to handle those players. Um, probably my biggest surprise, and this has probably been beaten to death by now, but is the 49ers with AJ Jenkins uh, at number 30. He's a six foot uh, two fifteen, I believe, wide receiver from Illinois, and he had a lot of production in college, but he wasn't exactly projected first round. In fact, I think he was more a third round projection on most people's boards. Um, but I think Stephen Hill, who would have been the only wide receiver I could think of that would have uh, gone the first round over somebody like a Ruben Randall or uh, a Muhammad Sanu, he's really raw, and I think the 49ers must have just been in love with A.J. Jenkins enough to take him that that early in the draft. All right, so, okay, if we'll ask you this as well, and you too, Cole. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, is he going to be a very good NFL quarterback? You want to go first, or? Yeah, Cole, you go first. All right, well, I don't think so. Um, I think he's got potential, but I think the Dolphins at this point are desperate, and I think that 
this is the first quarterback that they've drafted in the first round, mind you, since Dan Marino. And I think that in any other draft, Tannehill would have gone maybe in the second round, but there was such a huge drop-off after Luck and Griffin that I think he got pushed up. Um, he's definitely not good enough to start right away. He only had 19 starts in college. And one of the biggest things that um, that I noticed about his game is that before he throws, he actually pats the football, essentially telegraphing when he's going to throw. So any pump fakes he uses or any trickery he's trying to do um, doesn't really work as well. Well, is this guy the answer for Miami? Uh, I think there's definitely – I think he was definitely moved up the uh, – draft board, uh, he probably was should have been a late first-round pick, not early second. But I, I think, because he's very raw, he's only played quarterback for less than two full seasons, starting at Texas A&M. But I think that for any team to draft him, the team that makes the most sense is the Miami Dolphins. Biggest reason being uh, that his college coach, Mike Sherman, is now his offensive coordinator with the Dolphins. Plus, he can also sit for a year maybe a year and a half, behind Matt Moore, who is not a long-term start by any stretch, but he's a solid, short-term guy, passable quarterback. Because I really right. think he's too raw to come in immediately and start right away. But I think that there, he can succeed in Miami. Staying with the quarterback situation, up in Cleveland, uh, rumors that's trading Colt McCoy as the Browns drafted Brandon Whedon. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I think I, I'm a big Colt McCoy fan, and I think um, he deserves the opportunity to compete. But if they think that they can get a good draft pick out of this draft for him, then it's worth a shot. But, you know, you bring in Brandon Whedon, first round, he's 28 years old. He he can make all the throws, and honestly, he'd probably be higher on other people's draft boards if he didn't spend those couple of years uh, playing for the MLB. But... You know, because he's got wear and tear on him now. But I think that you can't draft a quarterback in the first round that's as old as Brandon Whedon is and not expect him to start early. Flo, is Whedon a, a good solution for the Browns? I agree. I, unlike uh, our caller, I'm not I'm not very big on Cole McCoy at all. I wasn't very big on him coming out of college. And even though he did make some plays early in the year, I haven't seen a franchise quarterback out of him. So and it's looking like Cleveland – I just saw a rumor on SI.com they're looking to possibly trade him to Green Bay, who needs a backup quarterback as Matt Sorrell right. to uh, Seattle. I really like uh, Brandon Wien. I feel that he he's a top ten player if he's not twenty eight. That's a big that is a big if because when you are twenty eight, you're 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 for most players you're in your prime. Now he's coming right in. His skills will erode earlier in his career, but we have seen players in the past. So Chris Winkie was a fail, but people don't forget that Roger Staubach, when he came into the NFL, he was like in his late twenties either. But I mean, he's obviously no Roger Staubach. But I really like Brandon Wheaton. I think uh, he definitely he has the tools to be a uh, top flight quarterback. That's right, Roger the Dodger. Once again, um, Cole Patterson, Ben Florence, Miles Garden here on Fanatic Radio, breaking down the first rounds of the NFL draft. Who are the Cole? In your mind, who are the biggest winners and losers for team wise in the first round? Well, one of my biggest winners, and I like this pick a lot, is uh, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. David DeCastro, he epitomizes the Steeler way. I think he's a mauler, and he's probably the best pulling guard in the draft. And I think that he really um, he really reinforces that offensive line. My biggest loser, and this is probably going to come with some um, some flack, but I'm going to say the Cowboys. 
And Morris Claiborne is going to be a great cornerback in this league, but I think they gave up way too much to go up and get him. I think the Cowboys have a few holes that they still need to fill, and not that the draft is the place to do it, but they definitely could have gotten some more talented players later down on the board. So what about your Jets? Who is Quentin Couples? Is he the right fit for New York? Well, he's an interesting player. Um, at first, my reaction was uh, I was distraught, to say the least. Um, but he's very versatile. He's 6'6", 280. He played uh, the defensive tackle position in a 4-3 defense, so he played a three technique at UNC, but he also played uh, his senior year at defensive end, and Rex Ryan worked him out at his pro day and at private workouts as an outside linebacker. So I'm assuming Rex is going to move him around a lot like an Adelius Thomas type. Um, He compared him favorably to uh, Sean Ellis and um, Trevor Price, but I think he's definitely more athletic than the two of those and fits more of the Justin Tuck mold, which would be interesting to see how they incorporate him into a 3-4. He had a better junior year than a senior year, and people were saying that it was his motor, but both Copels, Rex, Tenenbaum, and the Jets player, uh, the Jets scouting department say that it was more of a, um, a position change and a position coach change than anything. So I'm excited, but you know it's definitely a boomer bust prospect. Well, who are your teams, the winners and losers? Uh, when I look at winners, I think definitely uh, Pittsburgh Steelers because they have they have a guy who I think is the next Steve Hutchinson who's going to be the next elite guard for like 10 years. I was stunned that he fell that far. And it goes to show, and I think it was somebody, uh, it was uh, the guy from Walter Football, like that, which is a I read a lot. So the, it just proved that these teams, that are, you smart teams in the draft always take advantage when teams make stupid elections. And they get great players later in the draft, like Pittsburgh does an example. And a team I really liked what they did was uh, the New England Patriots. Yeah, I was going to mention that because they got two picks, and one of the guys, Dante Hightower, a very good player. Yeah, they got two uh, real good value picks late in the first round. They moved up uh, a few selections for each, but didn't have. But they still kept both first round, or they had two, and they didn't have to give up one to move up. I really feel that that was. Uh, Definitely a wise move. They got two players that definitely fit their uh, system. Chandler Jones gives them another pass rush because they need one because Andre Carter is covering from injury and Matt, Mark Anderson left for uh, Buffalo. And Dante Eisenhower is a versatile guy. He projects to be a 3 4 inside linebacker, but he could also rush the passer off the edge. Bill Belichick will love this kid. And yeah, two really good players for uh, the New England defense. What about your Packers flow? Nick Perry, is he a fit? Who yeah. is he? Yeah, he's a guy from a USC. Uh, uh, for a guy who said that it was at the draft last night. I know. Like uh, yeah, it was, it was a long day, and so <laughs> a lot of screaming fans. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Nick Perry definitely projects to be a good fit in the Packers' deeper defense for years. And I've been saying about this: Packers need to get somebody opposite Clay Matthews. Can it show last year because Clay Matthews' numbers took a little dip because now everyone could roll their clock to. I really wanted Green Bay to take Courtney Upshaw. I liked him a little more than uh, Nick Perry, but Nick Perry projects very well. The 340 is another USC guy. He uh, his combine he looked he looked a little heavy. He came in around 270 pounds, but he did have a ridiculously fast 40 time. So I initially I was a little down the pick because, like I said, I wanted Upshaw, but I think overall it's a pretty solid selection. So Colvin draft will continue till Saturday. Yes. Yes. Correct. So, 
Who are some guys that did not get chosen in the first round that could be a potential second, third round sleeper that could ultimately be big players in the NFL? Well, I think you definitely have to look at, I was talking about him before, Stephen Hill out of Georgia Tech, um, Demarius Thomas, Calvin Johnson, the two that preceded him, definitely two successful wide receivers in the NFL. Um, and I think Courtney Upshaw, who Flo was just talking about, um, I think Courtney is a great player, and I think uh, any Nick Saban player is going to have some success in the NFL. I think they translate very well. I think he's a little bit of a tweener. I think he's too oversized to play a true 3-4 outside linebacker, but I think he's a little big to play a defensive end in a 4-3. Um, he's definitely good at dropping into coverage. He's a good zone player, and he's got a great motor, but his pass rush skills need a little work. But I think he'll be a successful player in the NFL. Who's left on your draft board, Flo, that you're surprising at taking in the first round? Uh, I don't know if this guy would – actually, no, a guy I was really thinking that would go in the first round was uh, Cordy Glenn out of uh, Georgia. He mm-hmm. was uh, – I definitely thought he was first-round pick. I thought that um, when the uh, Cincinnati – I really thought Cincinnati 27, when they moved down, with New England would take him there. But they took Kevin Zeitler, who I think is a decent prospect, but I really liked a guy like Cordy Glenn who was uh, great uh, in college. He could play both guard, and he looks like he can also play right tackle as well. He's definitely he's a masher. He's a baller. He's a real physical player. He's athletic for a big guy as well. So I w- I'm a little surprised that he's still on the board uh, going into the second round. All right, and looking to the, the closing end of the NFL draft this weekend, there's always uh, guys that look back and see who the big players that made the great impacts of their rookie class last year is obviously Cam Newton and several others. Cole, in your mind, out of these players on the board, who who is someone that will that will shine in the NFL and be successful? And then who are about two or three players that will be complete wash-ups, very Ryan Leaf-esque? All right, well, here's a player um, I don't think many people are expecting me to say, but I'm going to say Luke Keekley um, with the Panthers. I think they have a really good foundation for him to go into. They've got Beeson, they've got Thomas Davis, and they've got James Anderson. And I think putting him into the rotation there, I think he's really going to shine. I don't know if he's going to come with the same star power as Cam Newton. In fact, you could say he's definitely not going to. But I think he'll definitely be one of the, if not the most productive. Um, And I think probably if I had to pick the one who's probably uh, going to bust. I'm going to have to say Quentin Copels, uh, much to my own chagrin. I'm not sure where he fits. I have faith that the Jets will be able to, you know, position him, but I'm not sure if he's going to, you know, find his fit. I also, I know this guy was shooting up a lot of people's draft boards, um, Chandler Jones. He He's super athletic, high motor, high character guy, but I just don't see him as the kind of true pass rusher that you need in the NFL. He didn't have great college production, and I think it's more of his ceiling that people are appreciating right now. So, Ben, are there any guys in the top ten that could actually not be worth the draft pick? Uh, I think that, and I know this guy, he stuck or really went up, but I'm not a huge fan of him. Stephon Gilmore out of uh, South Carolina. When you look at he has all the talent to be a star corner, but his senior year at South Carolina, when he really didn't have any reason to not be a star, his play was really mediocre. There are times where he looked great on the field. There are other times where you look like this guy is clearly a talent, clearly could be a star, and he's just, well, I don't want to say dogging it, but he's 
not playing to his potential. I saw a lot of inconsistencies the senior year, and I know his uh, stock went way up going into the draft from about a couple months ago, but I'm not a huge fan of uh, Stephon Gilmore in South Carolina. All right, and looking forward to next year, Cole. One of the big things that I read this week was the NFL is going to sus- – uh, rumors that they're going to suspend the Pro Bowl. Is this something to throw up in arms about? I don't think so. I think that playing in the Pro Bowl um, is an honor. I think getting selected to the Pro Bowl is an honor. But I think the actual play is usually not up to par, and I think not a lot, you know, not a lot of people watch it. It's kind of just an excuse to go out to Hawaii, I guess. Um, I think that what the NFL is proposing is a system where there are still votes and incentives in contracts for making the Pro Bowl and you still can become an all-pro or a pro bowler that year, but it just means that there won't be an actual game. Um, I I approve of it. I wouldn't want my players getting injured, and I wouldn't want the honor taken away if I was a Super Bowl contender from some of my better players. Right, and also, what are you, and final question is, what are your thoughts on Tim Tebow coming to the Jets? Well, at first, again, I was up in arms about it. Um but it's starting to grow on me now. The way I see it is if Mark Sanchez can't handle the pressure, then he doesn't exactly deserve to be a starting quarterback in the NFL anyway. And the truth is that Tim Tebow is a good football player. I will never admit that he's a good quarterback. I think he can't make any throws that any decent NFL quarterback should make. But I think he's a great football player, and I think he's going to bring an added dimension to the Jets that potentially could help them get over that hump, get back into the playoffs and, you know, they make the Super Bowl. All right, we're looking forward to the, I guess, summer camp and training camp and everything, the bells and whistles that go on with the NFL, especially for the start of the season. What's what, about four months away? Yeah, it's coming up quick. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Once again, that's Cole Patterson. He's our NFL draft expert. Joining us on the Fanatic Radio Hotline. Thanks for taking the time to stop by and talk a little bit about us. You got it. Have a good one. You too. All right, bye. Uh, your thoughts on the Pro Bowl not being exist or I guess being suspended? Uh, needs to be done. I mean, there's, I mean, the Pro Bowl is, let's just say, it's a joke. Yeah. It's terrible to watch. You guys, players, put in no effort at all, which you can't really blame because they don't want to get injured. But there really isn't, there's really no incentive to play. It's or to try hard. Um, I think that still have, like, the all-pro team, still have kind of a Pro Bowl team, but not actually a game. Maybe try and do, like, what the NHL does, have more of a skill, possibly skills competition, but the Pro Bowl is just awful, awful to watch, so I think it's a good move by the NFL. I think they realize how bad the Pro Bowl is. Right. What would you do to, I guess, enhance the play or make it more enjoyable to watch? I, I mean, it's, it's such a physical sport with there's such a risk of injury, I don't see how they're, an all-star game would actually work. I mean... Baseball makes sense because you have that stupid rule where the home team wins, the team that league that wins gets home field advantage, which is ridiculous. And uh, the NBA, there's no defense, but it's fun to watch. Right. It's really exciting. It's all the NHL, yeah, the NHL, there's no defense, but it's also fun to watch. So I really think that the uh, Pro Bowl is going to go away and really no one's going to mess it. I mean, as much as. I think it's, I mean, the idea of an all-star game is good. I I think one of the changes they should do is, I think one of the highest ratings they had was when it was in Miami. 
I think they need to have it on alternate sites. That'd be kind of cool. Sort of like you know, the All-Star Game bid for an All-Star Game. Yeah. And then what you mentioned of a skills competition, I think that could work. Because I remember they had that once with the fastest man in the NFL. Yeah. Like Dante they've Hall had, won it. Yeah, they have, they've had like uh, strongest arm and stuff like that. Right, because college football does that very well. And I think if they could, uh, you know, add that to the NFL, that'd be great. Also, I mean, one, one cool thing they could do is, I guess it sort of takes away the game, but you said the NBA is no defense. Of course, the NFL, 100 yards is no defense as well, but if you had it on a shortened field, if it was like 50 yards, do you think that could work? Uh, I don't see it. I think that when you're playing in a smaller field, I think that make it more physical. The players are, there's no real room, so now everyone's closer together. Uh, no, no offense, but I think that's <laughs> a terrible idea. Shut down my idea. But, uh, okay, but um, that'll do it for our NFL draft segment. So we think that the Luck and Griffin will be successful in the NFL. I guess, so you think Luck and Griffin will be successful in the I NFL? I think they both will. So uh, that's what our analysis is. When we get back, we'll be joined with David Aldridge to talk about the NBA playoffs and preview that. Also talk a little bit about baseball, but stay with us. You're listening to Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com.
And we're back here on Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com. Ben Flores, Michael Gardner here with you. Uh, the phone line to call in 646-595-3137. Chris Altop will join us in the studio shortly. But for now, um, for our weekly conversation, we have a very special guest, a former American University alum and current Turner Sports NBA analyst. Having a busy weekend this week, he is David Aldridge for our weekly conversation. All right, as the playoffs, the postseason of the NBA playoffs soars away, we are now joined here by AU alum and current Turner Sports NBA insider David Aldridge. David, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. What What is it about the NBA playoffs that makes it so enjoyable to watch? Oh, well... You know, you, you obviously have the best teams, <clears throat> you know, and the best uh, players on those teams. So you know that over the course of seven games, um, you're going to see great competition. You're going to see great adjustments within games and, and within the series. And uh, the thing that I that I always love about the NBA still holds true in the playoffs. You see something new every night. Um, you see somebody do something you've never seen before, and um, it's uh, remarkable how skilled these players are and how strong their wills are, and that's the amazing thing about the, the playoffs is that you see who has the strongest will, and that's usually the team that wins. And has the shortened season, what's your opinion on the shortened season and how it has affected the players this year? Well, frankly, I don't think the play has been as good this year. I, I think that, uh, you know, the bad teams have been have been really bad, um, and I think the, the short season has really impacted uh, with injuries. Um, people that – injuries that normally a guy might miss a game or two, now because of the, 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 in the shortened season, they're missing five or six games, you know, and there's just no time to recover. There's no time to get treatment, and so – Injuries have a much, much bigger impact on the season this year than they have in previous seasons. Do you think we'll see that in the postseason? Well, actually, you know, the, the irony is that the playoffs uh, should be better because there will be days off between games. Um, you know, you won't have teams playing back-to-back-to-back games, so they will have days to recuperate and rest and get treatment. And uh, so it actually will be better in the playoffs, I think, because the schedule finally kind of spreads out a little bit and guys have time to rest and teams have time to practice. I mean, there there have been, you know, a lot of teams that had maybe three or four real practices all season. You know, you just didn't have any days off uh, to practice. And when you did have a day off, you couldn't, you couldn't practice your guys. So you're going to have teams actually be able to practice now. All right, lots of storylines entering this postseason. Uh, one was re- recently Metal World Peace suspended for seven games. Do you think the league was fair in giving World Peace that susp- the length of that suspension? Well, i got to tell you, actually, I thought it would be longer because um, because uh, Meta has been uh, you know subject to discipline many times. I think the number is 13 over the course of his career by the NBA. And uh, David Stern usually has very low tolerance for for players or, or teams or officials that have been disciplined before. He he does not like repeat offenders and and thinks that if you haven't learned your lesson, you should get punished more. So I thought it would actually be longer than seven. 
seven. Look, it certainly impacts the Lakers in, in the first round. He's going to miss, you know, up to six games of that first round series. So that's certainly going to have an, an impact on that team uh, because the, the backups right now that would play have injuries to deal with, and, and that's going to make make them more likely to probably play Kobe Bryant, you know, more minutes defensively against top players depending on who they play. So, you know, it's going to hurt them, but if they can get out of the first round, obviously he should be back. So, they'll, you know, it, it will hurt them in the first round, but if they can survive that they're going forward, they're in pretty good shape. All right, and from the uh, West Coast to East Coast, Dwight Howard last week announced uh, season-ending surgery. They currently sit sixth in the Eastern Conference. How big of an impact would have was having your star player now, weeks before the playoffs began announcing that he is having a surgery that ultimately will miss the playoffs as well as the Olympics. Well, look, I mean, you know, any look, any team that loses its best player is going to be in trouble. I mean, I think, you know, take Kobe off of the Lakers, you know, take uh, Derrick Rose off of the Bulls. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to be impacted, especially again in the playoffs when you're playing the best teams. So, yeah, look, Orlando's it's a tough road for Orlando. Uh, looks like they're going to uh, finish sixth, I believe. So, um, you know, it's going to be difficult for them, I think, in the first round. Indiana's playing at a very high level right now. Indiana's got a lot of depth. they got uh, a pretty good center in, in Roy Hibbert. So, um, you know, it's going to be tough for Orlando. Uh, I never say impossible because anything can happen in a, in a seven-game playoff series, but I think it's going to be very difficult from a defensive standpoint for Orlando to be able to stop uh, Indiana from scoring. And I don't know that the Magic have enough pieces on offense that are firing at a high level that they can outscore the Pacers and win the series. So it's going to be tough for them. As you mentioned the Pacers, this team came out of nowhere. I mean, in recent memory for myself, I don't even remember when Indiana was as high as a three seed. What makes this team so good? Well, they have they have depth. You know, again, they 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 have built a, a very very solid team over the last three years. Larry Bird should get a lot of credit for that. Um, you know, they they got Roy Hibbert a few years ago uh, to be in the middle. They have they have drafted well. They've made some good trades. They got Darren Collison from the Hornets a couple of years ago, and then they got an impact player in David West this last off season. So they've done it the way that. Good teams do it with a combination of good drafting, good trades, and, and good free agent signings. Uh, they took a chance on Frank Vogel, a young coach who hadn't been a head coach, uh, and he's done an excellent job. So they have just a good top-to-bottom team, and they can go nine or ten deep, and they have two guys at every position. So that makes them very difficult, you know, a very difficult team to guard. They don't have... You know, Danny Granger's the closest thing I guess they have to a superstar, um, and he's not really a superstar. So they get points from a lot of different people. So and, you know, and on any given day, you know, they could have four or five guys in double figures. That makes them a difficult team to guard because you can't really load up on one guy. And also looking at the one seeds for East and West, uh, both identical records, I guess when the season began, David, would you ever imagine that the San Antonio Spurs would be the number one team in the West at the same record as the Chicago Bulls? Uh, no, honestly, I, I wouldn't have. Um, I thought they were still good, but I didn't think they were still 
dangerous. Um, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm going to vote for Greg Popovich for Coach of the Year because he's just done a remarkable job. Again, an older team, you know, they really need days off, and they haven't had them. Um, he put a rotation together on the fly, essentially. They, they got Kawhi Leonard on draft night last year, a rookie. Danny Green had been there, but Danny Green had not been an especially effective NBA player before this season. Um, Tiago Splitter had been hurt all of last season. They started the year with T.J. Ford as the backup point guard, and then he got hurt again, and they had to shut him down and wound up waving him. They trade for Steven Jackson at the trade deadline, and yet all of those players, all of them, every single one of them, has made major contributions to that team this season. And Tony Parker's playing at a, a MVP level. He's had a great season. Duncan's minutes are down, uh, but he's still been effective in limited minutes. And Ginobili was hurt again. So, I mean, all of, you put all that together, and they, there they sit with the best record in the NBA and the number one seed. I just think Popovich has done an incredible job this year of monitoring the older players' minutes, yet trusting the younger players to win games. Uh, that's hard to do. That's very hard to do, especially for, again, a veteran team. They don't know how many more chances they're going to have. In fact, Tony Parker said this last year, that last year was their last chance, you know, at winning a championship. And um, it turns out they're, they're right there again with another chance to win a championship, and I think that's that's a testament to their coach. All right, and the second year with the big three, does Miami have, once again, another shot to make it back to the finals? Sure. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, they're look, they're, they, they are one of the top two or three offensive teams in the league, or at least they were in a regular season. Uh, they're still a very, very good defensive team. And at the end of the day, you've got to stop three star players from scoring, and that's hard to do. It's hard to stop two. It's really hard. It's almost impossible to stop three. So, um, you know, the key to Miami is going to be can they get production out of their center position? You know, can they get production, whether it's Haslam or Bosch or one of the other people that they have? Somebody's got to be productive for them at that center position going through the playoffs. If they get that, I think they have a great chance of winning. LeBron is going to be the MVP this year. Dwayne Wade is, is an outstanding player. Uh, and so, they're look, they're going to be right there at the end. I still think to me, I still think they're the team to beat in the East, uh, all due respect to Chicago. Um, I think Miami's still the team to beat, and I think Miami has got great focus, and they'll be ready to go. All right, and we'll get you out of here on this, David. Who are the two teams that you will see in the finals later, earlier this summer? Well, I believe in being consistent. So I said, you know, Miami and Oklahoma City, and I'm going to stick with that. Um, even though Oklahoma City struggled a little bit here down the stretch, um, I'll stick with, with what I predicted. Uh, I think that they are, uh, you know, the experience last year getting to the West Finals will help them. And uh, I, I do think they're much better defensively this year than they were last year with Ibaka and Perkins having a full season together, play together. And, uh, you know, I, I believe if they can keep the, the key to them is going to be turnovers. If they turn the ball over, they can get beat by anybody. But if they can keep the turnovers low, they they can and I think should be able to beat everybody out west. So we will see. I think, uh, you know, the Lakers are still going to be there. You know, assuming they can get through the first round again without Meta, they should, uh, they'll be in, they'll be a formidable, formidable uh, opponent. You got to give the Clippers a chance with Paul. 
the end of the games, but I'll stick with Oklahoma City and Miami. All right, David Aldridge, AU alum and Turner Sports NBA Insider. Thank you once again for joining us on Fanatic Radio. Looking forward to seeing you cover the playoffs. Thanks very much. I'm looking forward to it myself. All right, take care. Take care. NBA Insider David Aldridge here on Fanatic Radio for our weekly conversation. And that it was, and we're back here. Once again, Ben Florence, Miles Gardner, Fanatic Radio, BlockTalkRadio.com. Phone lines are open, 646-595-3137. A very special guest in the studio as well. He is a member of the main panel on HTV Sports Zone, the show that Flo will be hosting next year. And what is the blog that you are on? Rebuilding since 1964.com. He is our very own Chris Aldao. Chris, welcome back to Fanatic Radio. He's actually a show's regular. Yeah, it feels good to be back, Mike. What do you think of our new facility? Uh, great, great change of pace. I'm glad you took uh, your show into your own hands, and uh, I've like I've been liking what you're doing, look, seeing how the show has grown. Now we did high five to that flow. Boom. Yeah, shout out to that, by the way. Uh, Blog Talk Radio has been very generous for us. Looking at uh, the ratings for last week with the the subtotal of archives and live listens of people that called in, we actually exceeded over 200 listeners. Wow. So the show continues to grow. Make sure to like us on Facebook. And follow Flo and myself on Twitter, at BFO360, and at the Fanatic MG. But as uh, David Aldridge mentioned, the playoffs are among us. They actually start tomorrow, don't they? Yep. Yeah, so a uh, uh, quick thing with that, a shout-out to our boy uh, Mark Cuban, as we love to mention him frequently on this show. Your boy, Mark Cuban. He said, he's at it again. He's at it again. He said today, quote, like I've said all year long, the regular season means next to nothing Every single team, even the Spurs, for a period there, when they go through a tough part of their schedule, struggled. There was nobody that was overly impressive, so we'll see what happens close. Quote, the seven-seed Mavs take on what David Aldridge said, and I'll actually say we'll make the NBA Finals in the West Oklahoma City Thunder, so I don't think that was the best decision on Mark Cuban's thoughts. But the West, yeah, Chris, who do you have? Who are some of You were mentioning uh, during the interview that the Thunder Memphis series will be very exciting. Uh, the Memphis uh, LA series, yeah, it should be yeah. very exciting. LA is a very young team. We'll see if they have they've added a couple pieces. Uh, the latter part of the season, we'll see how they can hold up against the Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies were like the little hipster pick for everyone to pick uh, last year. Um, and now it's it's I don't know. Is it really the cool thing to do now? Um, <laughs> obviously, they're not much of a surprise anymore. Everyone's really picking the Grizzlies now. Let's see how they can perform and the lights are shining bright. Yeah, because uh, Zach Randolph is, is back, who missed most of the season with injury, yeah. who's on my fantasy team. <laughs> and, of course, I lost track of that. I never realized when he got back. But, of course, they're, they're essentially the same team as last year. Yeah, basically same team going on. And, and they go up against Lob City, which I don't think they will win because they don't have Chauncey Phillips. Is he a huge part of that team? or? I think he is, not only about his abilities and – but just his presence in the locker room, uh, you have a lot of younger guys there, um, especially I mean, Chris Paul has said it throughout the season, too. I mean, you, Chauncey Billups' leadership in that locker room is truly invaluable, what he brings, what he's done from Detroit to Denver. I mean, all along through his career is that leadership presence. Uh, so I think that will certainly be missed. Um, I may actually take the Clippers. I don't know why. Um, but I can see that. Uh, I just think their athleticism cannot be competed with. I think they'll step up. Big time. Mo Williams isn't playing well, but um, yeah, CLA. Then Mike, you mentioned uh, Mark Cuban's thing. I actually agree with Mark to a certain extent. 
because uh, you you're in like a condensed 66 game season, and you have all these veteran teams. You have the Mavs, you have the Spurs, you have the Lakers. Yeah, they're resting their stars, resting resting their legs throughout the season. But now you come to the playoffs, and you're not playing back to backs. You're not playing back to back to backs. So it definitely is a new season. Definitely favors these veteran teams. I can see. I mean, I'd like to see the Mavericks give the Thunder a run for their money rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals. I feel like Oklahoma City returns everyone from that team that almost beat Dallas. I think it took them to the six games. Yeah. So and I mean, I, I mean that that Dallas team continues to surprise me, but I'll probably have Oklahoma City beating Mavericks in about five or six games. I'd love to see Dallas, you know, give one final swing as they are fully relinquished their championship hangover. But um, I asked David Aldridge this, I'll ask you as well, did you ever imagine the San Antonio Spurs being the top team in the West? No. I think in the last year, maybe even the last couple years, everyone always goes when the Spurs are on top, yeah, this is their last year for contending. And uh, we've started again this year. This has to be the last year. Same with same with the Celtics. Yeah, like This is definitely their last year of contending. Yeah, you don't, you don't see it. Now you see the Spurs transform. And it's really Manu Ginobili's team right now. Uh, Got to give credit. I think Greg Popovich is going to be the coach of the year. Just the way he kind of runs his schedule, um, just the way he kind of uses his teammates, finds those players at the bottom of the draft. So, yeah, give credit to the Spurs because, man, uh, let's see if they deliver in the playoffs, though. Yeah, because uh, David Aldridge mentioned Quali Leonard. Yeah. A, a big, big point to the team. Also, Steven Jackson as well. Getting rid of Richard Jefferson is probably the best decision that they made. Yeah, you can argue that Quali Leonard is probably the – Maybe the third best uh, draft pick this year. Yeah, it's like, it was the rookie of the year because that's your boy Kyrie Irving. That's Kyrie Irving, yeah. Well, you had the Spurs going the distance. You now sat on SportsZone on the segment throwing it up. Do you still have them going to the NBA Finals? Uh, I I never actually made that. I don't remember making that prediction to no. San Antonio. We're putting words in your mouth. All the way, but eh, it's all right. Um, I think definitely San Antonio's definitely got a shot, and but I really think that the team that's going to come out of the West will be the, uh, you know, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies coming out of the West. Yeah, because they, they took the Spurs to seven games last year? Uh, Six? No, oh, yeah, I think they, they won seven, yeah. yeah really close yeah. series last year, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah I hate hipsters, but I'll be that hipster guy. I like Memphis. I'm, I still think that Oklahoma City, City may still be a year away, and I think that the uh, the Spurs, with how old they are, I think that they definitely will, I think they'll get by Utah without much of a problem, but I think that, and uh, after that, I think they'll face some trouble because they are getting a little up there. But I do like Memphis. Yeah. How he said earlier, how every year we always say that uh, this has to be the Spurs last year. I almost feel the same mentality with the Thunder. Like, oh, they're such a young team, you know. Uh, next year, man, they're just such a young team, one year away. Uh, you you got to look at the Thunder. Are they going to be next San Antonio Spurs? really perennial champions, or the next Sacramento Kings, and where'd you draw that line between busting the playoffs and complete success? So we'll see. I think in the next couple of years, we'll definitely define the thunder. Yeah, because the Kings are, what, like two years away from not having a place to live anymore? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to see how that rolls out. Another interesting yeah. game, though, I watched on NBA TV was the Clippers and Thunder. I think it was from a week ago. But the Los Angeles came down from, I think it was about 13 points. Yeah. And they run a great offense that I think could actually help them in the playoffs is the pick and roll. But then when Blake Griffin rolls to the basket, he almost he stops in the middle of the paint and then dishes it out to Karan Butler mm-hmm. or Mo Williams, who is playing lights out recently. Interesting to see, though, because like Mark Cuban said, the West is wide open after 
listening to you guys' analysis, I'm definitely thoroughly convinced. To the east we go now. <laughs> yes, on Fanatic Radio, nonetheless. The Miami Heat take on the New York Knicks. I was talking to Jaron Berman, uh, Buckets Over Broadway writer, guest on this show, and he says if there's any team to take down the Heat, it could be the Knicks. They're playing very well with Mike Woodson, but, Flo, you mentioned that LeBron James could be potential MVP status. Absolutely. Yeah, Is Miami too good? Uh, I really think they are too good. I mean, yes, the, the, uh, but I think the Knicks could give them a shot. I'd love to see them give them a shot. Uh, because once Carmelo Anthony finally got Mike D'Antoni fired, now he's been playing great. He's been busting his tail off now for the team. He's still not a good defender, but we, we do that. But this team has been a very good defensive team. They got Tyson Chandler, who I think will be defensive player of the year. And they have the star power to take down Miami. I don't think they will because I think that LeBron will could absolutely shut down Carmelo and then run all over him on the other end. But I really think that this could uh, be an interesting series for uh, Miami and that if they get by New York, I don't think too much problems in the East, with the exception of Chicago. Chris, will see Miami back in the finals? I do see Miami back in the finals. I, uh, I really think the only team can really handle Miami is Chicago. Uh, I said Mike Woodson has Team, he actually for a couple seconds had still playing defense, but uh, what? Uh, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony playing defense. Well, I just can't see them beating the Heat. I look back to the game. I think it was about it was about a month ago. I think when when Jeremy Lin was still healthy, they just got torched by the Heat. So I really I really cannot really visualize the New York Knicks uh, taking the Heat in seven. Apart from Miami and the New York. Who else is the intriguing series? I'm going with the Indiana Pacers Orlando because that's really a tale of difference. The Pacers team mm-hmm. come out of nowhere. I mean, the last time they were this goes and they had Reggie Miller on that you know, 30 of winning back when I think it was uh, Larry yeah. Brown was still coaching yeah. that team. Yeah. And so you have guys like Danny Granger, uh, George Hill. Yeah, very young, team. very collective bunch going up against a disgruntled, distraught Orlando. We have bashed on Sports on day in day out. Stan Gundy is probably at the end of his tenure. Dwight Howard is gone. Yeah, a lot of guys are pretty much lost. The Indiana Pacers are they that good to be a three seed? Um, well, I mean, I think as always, the East is very top heavy. Um. But uh, I think they are. And you talked about it earlier with David Aldridge that they have a bunch of these, not necessarily no names, but um, not necessarily these people that you put on to carry your team. So you don't necessarily have these big egos in the locker room. You have Roy Hibbert, Darren Collison, these nice young players. And I think they could handily take down the Orlando Magic. The, the series I'm interested in is Boston and Atlanta. It seems like Atlanta is always that five. Yeah, exactly. And that, yeah. that goes back. Joe Johnson, that Max deal. I mean, it's something that it's something that you had to do. Well, not necessarily had to do, but he's not a Max player, and that yeah. puts you. You're given a decision. Do you want to be a playoff team, that five six uh, seed, at losing playoff in the first round every year, or do you want to just let them go, rebuild, and get back to where you need to be? I really think. The, the Celtics could definitely take the the Hawks. If it wasn't for Greg Popovich, I'd put Doc Rivers as my coach of the year. What he's done, you talk about urgency, you talk about his uh, contract being up at the end of the year and how he's really gotten everyone up-tempo. I really 
especially Celtics could make some noise in the East. Yeah, especially uh, last week we mentioned Rajon Rondo was playing uh, exceptionally yeah. well the, the last part of the season. I mean, it's funny that Boston wants to trade him. And yeah. He's putting up a like numbers. Such a case. <laughs> Big ego head case. Yeah. All right, let's uh, round out to the final minutes of the show. Does Chicago have enough depth to make the finals to beat the Heat? Uh, yeah. Um, if there's one thing going for Chicago, I think it is their bench. Um, we definitely saw that last time the Bulls played the Heat. But I still don't think the bench is going to do it for the Bulls. I mean, we saw their bench was better than the Heat last year. And even though the Heat's bench is considerably worse this year somehow. But <laughs> yeah. Norris Cole, though, Cleveland's Yeah, day. Norris Cole has been a Chunker, huge surprise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he chucks, chucks the three all the time. Yeah, I love Norris Cole, but I still think that the Bulls don't have what it takes to take down the Heat, and I still take the Miami coming down from the East. So you have Miami and OKC. OKC, Flo, who do you have in the final? Give me Miami and Memphis. Miami and Memphis. I will be that guy. I'd like to see Chicago back in the finals. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago and OKC be a good series. Uh, Something about the Heat going back to the finals. You know, ESPN will blow up over that with redemption. Yeah. The countless... The uh, feature stories and everything about that. Interesting. David Aldridge, he spoke to my class a few weeks ago. And he said that uh, when you see LeBron winning a first chance, I asked him how much, how long will it take for the media to kind of soften up on LeBron. He says right before his first championship. He said that when Jordan was seven years in the league, it was around 1990, everyone said, yeah, he's a good player, doesn't make his teammates better. And he said that when LeBron wins his first, Everyone's going to start proclaiming the best thing I ever touched in basketball. Really? I, thought, I just thought that was interesting. It is interesting. Uh, once again, you can go to the podcast on iTunes to listen to David Aldridge's full interview. Once again, Ben Fuentes, and Chris Aldab here on Fanatic Radio. We'll stay on the air uh, because you can listen to the rest of this on iTunes on the Pod Center page. But Flo, you mentioned we'll go down to NHL. Hey, Flo's favorite. Uh, Part of the show, the Washington sure. Capitals survived in seven games, as well as your New Jersey Devils. Yeah, yeah that was that was crazy last night. I really was not. I was paying attention, but I wasn't really watching with the draft last night, and now just going nuts for that. But yeah, well, I watched uh, both the overtime periods, and it was just one heck of a game. They're both at the end of the game because here's what happens. These were that in the whole series. The, Jet, the Devils will play great for one period. You can be the first, you can be the third. They don't do anything else. And then they allow Florida to get into the series. Uh, last night, they played great the first two periods. Florida kicks butt in the third period to get to OT. And then OT to go in OT1. The goalies just took over. Jose Teodor for Florida, Marty Brodeur for New Jersey, which is ridiculous. And then the second period, we finally got to Florida. And Monrique uh, scored the winning goal. We're now taking on in a what's in the Eastern Conference League Beltway, or not a Beltway, an I-95 showdown about four teams on uh, Eastern Corridor of uh, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Washington, New York. So, yeah, East is, uh, I think, uh, could be wide open. Are you surprised that the Capitals advanced in the second round? I am, honestly. I was really uh, down the stretch. I mean, uh our good friend and hockey analyst Zach Drescher was uh, giving us behind-the-scenes details that they just looked like a mess. And I really didn't think they'd pull it together playing a different style of what we've seen from Washington before. So, And, uh, yeah, so I was really impressed, genuinely surprised. And I also have a one seed falling down. I guess 
Oh, yeah, one seed, though. The Kings knocked off the Canucks, the President Cup winner. They'll face St. Louis. And Nashville faces Phoenix. A different uh, million years picture those two teams making the second round of the playoff. Nashville, yes. Uh, Phoenix, no. I really felt that Phoenix was just a one-man show with their goaltender, Mike Smith. And that's all they needed to get past Chicago. But I really like this Nashville team. I think they could uh, I think they could be hoisting the cup. I really do. Chris, have you been following the NHL playoffs? Not at all. All right, but you were watching. <laughs> I'm not a huge I am keeping up, actually. I, I, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but I, every playoff season, I, uh, it's exciting. And then right during the playoffs, I'm like, I should probably start watching this. It's fun. This is fun. But uh, it never really happens. But, um, yeah, no, it's been, a, it's been an exciting playoff series. So we'll see what happens. That's the same for me. But you were watching the NFL draft last night, I'm guessing. Oh, I was. What are your thoughts on, first, Trent Richardson going to the Browns? I liked it um, a lot because uh, there were talks about the Bucks, the Rams trying to trade up with the Browns. And unlike their past, the Browns, you know, the past couple of years, they, they trade down and, and try to make these, like, sneaky picks. Uh, Mike Holmgren just wants to find that diamond in the rough and make himself seem like a genius here. And this time around, they pulled it together. They realized, look, we want Trent Richardson, and we're going to get him. We're going to do what it takes to get him. So they traded it up. Uh, one spot didn't give up too much at all. It gave up like a fourth and a seventh. So that I mean, it's not uh, seventh round pick isn't going to make it anyway, uh, statistically speaking. So I'm really happy with what we did with Trent Richardson, and he's going to be a great back in the NFL. Also, a big story today, uh, especially from last night. Uh, Flo, Flo, myself, and our NFL draft expert Cole Patterson mentioned this earlier in the show. Uh, there are possible rumors of trading Colt McCoy because the Browns drafted Brandon Whedon. Yeah. Are you a Whedon fan? Uh, I am. Um, and I, I was talking this to Ben before the show. Um, I, I don't understand everyone's criticism of his age. All right, everyone says, uh, all right, he's 28, will turn 29 in October, and everyone's saying, oh, he can only play, you know, six, seven years and he's done. Well, name me the last quarterback since Bernie Kosar has played six consecutive years. Yeah, that's right. There hasn't been one. So, But didn't Brett Favre do it? Well, no, I'm talking about for the Browns. Oh. So, especially yeah, Browns Brett fans. Yeah, Brett Favre would start for six Yeah, he So, uh, I really like Brandon Whedon. Obviously, Colt McCoy, a great guy, has all those intangibles. But, of course, the things that really do matter, the tangibles were not there. Cannot make all the throws. Brandon Whedon, he's a winner. And you talk about a, a player plays in a, in a professional sport already. He played in um New York Yankees farm system. He can he can ball under the under the bright lights. Um you know that he has thick skin when he throws an interception he's not gonna he's he's not gonna hate himself for it. he's gonna move on. So I like Whedon. Hey let's give him a chance and unfortunately if you have Whedon you have to trade McCoy because you can't have that quarterback controversy. That's true. That's the last thing the Browns need is a QB yeah. carousel. All right, but we'll close the show on on this on this note. Actually, first off, no, we had, we had a perfect. There was a perfect game last week, wasn't there? Yes, there was. Yes. All right, Flo, I'm gonna start with you. Over under one and a half perfect games for the rest of the year because it came so early. Is there a likelihood there will be another one this season? Sorry, do you mean there's one and a half for the rest of the year or just overall for the rest of the year? Uh, it could either be. Yeah, I'm definitely taking over one and a half because I don't think there'll be another perfect game this year. I'd be surprised. It's something that's so rare. It's only happened 21 times, or 22 times, or 
21 or 22. Apparently, seven have happened since 2004, though. Yeah, yeah I but saw I, that I, I mean, that's something you can't predict. So I, I, I honestly don't see it happening. Although, do you think there'll be another one? Uh, I think there's going to be another no-hitter. But uh, when it comes to that's those perfect, perfect games, yeah, I just can't. Of course, last season was the year of the pitcher, and everyone's saying this year it will be, too. But yeah. with perfect games, yeah, it's just too rare to point that kind of stuff but so yeah I'm gonna go under all right so now uh, as we close up the show this is a new segment we have on Fanatic Radio it, it was brought to my attention by actually Chris and our good friend Tyler Tamia the segment is called tweets from tweets from flow <laughs> basically we go to at Leaf flow 360 and I gotta say rip on the no we're not rip on the tweets Why? not rip on the after, tweets after that fiasco that was uh, our alone with flow segment that was just so poorly no, 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 hear me, hear, hear me out on this, Flo. <laughs> hear me out on this. Some of these are hilarious, and I'm, I'm guessing most of them have a good backstory to it, right? So this is where we can add the humor side to the show. All right, one of them is... First off, who is... Is Evan Romano your boy from home? I wouldn't consider him my boy from home, but yes, he is a, uh, a friend of mine. We uh, go at each other a lot because he says a lot of dumb things, and... <laughs> I call him out on it, and he gets really mad whenever I call him out. And then I always provide myself with knowledge because I'm a very argumentative guy, and I don't like taking any of his crap. So I mean, I'm not great friends with him, but uh, he is a he's a I consider him a friend of mine. Is he from from your hometown? Yeah, well, he's not from my hometown, but we went to high school together. Oh, okay. Because as you say in one of them, you say whenever Romano calls you dumb, that's saying something. Was that during the draft? Yes, because his whole th- he has this theory that Courtney Upshaw is not a pass rusher, and that's why he fell. But the real thing is that Courtney Upshaw fell is because he's a little big to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. Teams aren't certain that he can be. As, uh, he, he is athletic enough to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. That's why he fell. And also because guys like Shane McCall and Chandler Jones really rose up and also hurt his stock. But he's going to be a, a pass rusher. He'll probably probably be a 4-3 end, but he's just assuming that he's good. He's a linebacker. But I, I don't get it. I don't get his hatred of Courtney Upshaw, but he's a moron. So. Ben, I'm reading one of your tweets from uh, last night. Oh, gosh. I missed this initially, but damn. Matt Khalil has one hot family. Yeah. Some smoking yes. ladies, I tell you. Who yes. is? What's the backstory to this? Yes, well, uh, I missed this initially. But if you go on sportsdegrid.com, they have a bunch of pictures of Matt Khalil's family, and it is... <laughs> Smoking hot ladies right there. Than a and it was a big girlfriend. thing trending on Twitter early. It's kind of creepy, with, uh, Ben. Andrew Luck's uh, flip phone, which uh, was also trending on Twitter. So I noticed it, but I didn't actually see the pictures of uh, his family. Because his sister's like a year younger, I think. Oh, Ben, you're, you're diving deep into it. Not, not, not really. All right, here's, here's, some, here's some good ones. The, this is a series of three. This, I'm guessing this is during the, the Devil's Double Overtime victory last night. Yes. First one was, Double Overtime, this game will kill me. <laughs> Obviously not, because we're glad you're here today. And then, I'd get in the shower, but no way I'd yeah, get right there. back in Take five. the shit on that with your followers. And it have a lot of work to do over the next week. Kind of sucks. <laughs> no, definitely sucks. How many finals do you have coming up? I Well, in terms of finals, I only have three finals, but I have three papers due, and they're all due on Thursday. So I then have a final on Friday, and, uh, which won't be too bad, then a final the following Tuesday, and then I'm done. But that Thursday is hell because I have three, like I said, three papers due. 
All right, and this this last one, I'm guessing this is at a uh, Sports Zone Zone Aaron Vale, okay. where it says, "Wish I could have bailed on class like Valer in 32." <laughs> Why did Aaron Vale ditch class? Uh, no, she wasn't class, but she left like halfway through. I have no idea why. So yeah, that's not the Sports Zone way, Aaron. Yeah, so she. Uh, I like the river on Twitter because she has. She's a very angry Twitter feed as. Uh, Eric Wilkins has noted many times, so I felt like just giving us a little ribbing. I didn't get any uh, response, though. So Not going to look for that one. Who knows? Ben, there's something I tweeted a day or two ago after Trent Richardson got drafted saying that Cleveland sucks. Um, elaborate. By elaborate, I mean take it back. Uh, well, I can't elaborate on something and then take it back, so. All right, your excuse. But. All right, so that's our new segment. It's called Tweets from Flow. You can follow him at at, at bflow360. Please follow him because he is hilarious. He blows up the blog site on bflow360.com. You can even follow myself at the Fanatic MG. But why would you? I'm not really on the Twitter sphere. But Fanatic Radio is on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash fanaticradio. That's all the time we have for the show. Next week, we have our Olympics preview. It's our final show broadcasted on campus. But from for Ben Florence... Uh, our special guest, Chris Aldalba, our NFL draft expert, Cole Patterson, David Aldridge, I'm Michael Gardner, saying signing off from Washington, D.C. via Radio Saigon. We'll see you. This has been Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com. We will see you next week.